Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Koinonia Church Message Library. Our hope is that today's message encourages you, challenges you, and brings you closer to Jesus. We are confident that God's Word is living and active and is relevant for us today. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. All right. Woo! It is so good to be together, isn't it? So good to be together, so good to share, to talk, to visit, to connect. And I welcome you if you're with us online as well. We are excited to have you. And something that those of you online don't get to experience here in the room is we have taken the opportunity the last couple of weeks to open our blinds and let the sunshine in. And it is exciting. People have enjoyed that. But uh, if you are driving a white vehicle and you have a police cruiser sitting behind you, you will be uh, kind of wondering what's going on. So it looks like a friend has been pulled over on the street out here. And you know when, when, you, when you do get stopped for an infraction, you hope that nobody you know drives by, right? <laughs> this individual has 300 of us uh, looking out the window. Why don't we pray for them right now? <laughs> Lord, whatever went wrong. <laughs> May you just guide them through it, and hey, maybe if they want to come and join us after they're done with the police officer. Anyway, all kinds of things happen on a Sunday morning, don't they? What we do hope happens is that God comes and speaks to us and ministers to us and takes us farther than where we were when we started this morning. Amen? We say, God, here's our lives. Here's my family. Continue to teach me and grow me and lead me on where you want to take me. We are completing our series this morning on God, money, and me. And we're not the only ones who are completing a series this weekend. For those of you who are Blue Jay fans, (laughs) unfortunately, the series has come to an end. And yes, we were sad. We hope this morning this series doesn't end on that kind of note, but this series takes you farther into what God's got for the next round in the playoffs, right? We want to keep going, God, with finances and where you're taking us. This uh, series title, God, Money, and Me, didn't originate with us. It, It was already out there. Actually, we heard about a church out in BC that's hot on this theme and topic and used this title. And then as we dug a little bit deeper, we learned that an author wrote a book, an author who's a pastor in New Zealand, and wrote a book with this this title. And so, but we see the relevance of it, of God money, and me. But I was talking to one of my nephews last night at our family gathering, and he said, you know, Uncle Bri, it should be all about me, money, and God. And of course, he was making a pun and just playing on it a little bit. And I said to him, nephew, I'll leave him nameless. I think you get the point. (laughs) We start with God. Then we say, God, what do you say about money? And then, Father, how does this relate to me? And so this morning, we're coming to the me part, because we talked the first week, and we recognize that God wants all of us. He wants our heart. He wants our worship. He wants our entire lives. Pastor Nathan brought part two in the series last Sunday with some great words, great summary, talking about what the power of money can do and how it influences us. He shared some of his personal example out of his life. And thank you, Nathan and Cecile, for letting us hear and see some insights into your life because it's practical. We learn from how others have learned and grow. And 
Pastor Nathan talked about how money reveals our hearts. What we love, what we trust, what we prioritize. He talked about how wealth, riches, and money to God, he calls us to be stewards of what he places in our hands. And so all of these insights bring us back. And if you haven't heard the first two messages in the series, you can go to our YouTube page and you can connect there and um, or our YouTube channel, and you can connect and see and hear where we're going. But I want to bring us into this morning, Thanksgiving Sunday, still talking about God, still talking about money, and then bringing ourselves before God and say, but what about me, God? Where does this fit? Help me to understand. Because based on what you've heard from Scripture, what you've been reading in Scripture, what we brought before you, what you know in your heart, uh, in the heart of God, I hope we can all agree this morning that it's not about me. Can you say that yourself? It's not about me. Repeat me. Not about me. Yeah, because I don't want you to think it's not about Pastor Bry and, you know, pass the buck. This This is a message for you, okay? This is a message for me. But I could approach this topic in many different ways and even use Scripture to point this out. I could come to you and say, Um, talking about money and God, that scripture says it's all about obedience. And you just need to obey God. And if you obey God, then everything's going to go fine with you. And I could bring that. And you'd say, well, why? And I'd say, well, because God said so. (laughs) And there would be some teaching to say it is important to obey God. I could come to another approach on this topic. And I say, it's all about blessing. God wants to just bless you and fill your storehouses and fill your bank accounts and care for you and provide because there's Scripture talks about how God wants to bless. But if we take that message, we could easily go running before we heard all of God's heart. I could also bring this topic to you in a way about talking about prospering. Because Scripture talks about prospering, and God wants us to prosper for His purposes. We sometimes leave off that last clause. But God wants us to prosper for His kingdom purposes. But in all of that context, we come to you with this series To say God wants to get a hold of our hearts. He wants to address the attitude and posture of our hearts. When it comes to money, I believe God, through our relationship with Jesus Christ, wants us to be led by His Holy Spirit so that we can walk out what He has entrusted into our care. You hear what we're saying? This series is not about a command to do something. It's about a call for you to engage your heart and your posture of love and giving toward God. This morning, we're going to go a little farther in the New Testament and look at the principles of generosity and giving. And we have intentionally not approached this series from any of those other angles. We haven't even approached this series talking specifically about the word tithing, and it's in Scripture. And you may say, well, why did, are you avoiding it? No. I really sense, we really sense that God was wanting to bring before you in the concept of money an an element of the sincerity of your heart. I had it so stirring in me, and we talked it out as a teaching team, and and it just kept leaping that, but but God's calling our heart. He's not calling our money. He's, He's not even calling this percentage of just debating ties. Pastor Heidi in, in our series mentioned about There's lots of debate about percentages of tithing. I really believe God's calling our hearts. And when he has our heart, 
then you'll have everything else that's a part of our lives. Do you hear what I'm saying? We look at tithing, and it is foundational for the Mosaic Covenant, the timing of Moses, and even before Moses, a tithe was given. It was something that was calling the people of Israel to acknowledge God and not forget Him. And as I mentioned, there's lots of discussion and debate about percentages, but the reason that we don't even need to talk percentages of tithing is because when you come to the New Testament and the early church, the early church practice of tithing was to give 100%. Read it out in Acts chapter 2, 3, and 4. So if we're going to debate with God, he's going to say, then give me it all. If you've got a problem with 10%, then just give it all to me. And he postured the early church to yield their hearts to him. And I loved how Pastor Nathan brought it out saying, when they walked in this way, everybody had what they needed. Everybody was cared for. And I'm saying, God, there must be something in it when everyone is cared for. So in this new covenant that we walk out with God, the tithe is a helpful guideline for our giving. But the revelation we are to operate by is that our entire lives belong to God. Everything we have. He calls us to steward and care for what already belongs to Him. And as I was reading through Scriptures and as we were looking at the different passages, um, Pastor Nathan said, look again at 2 Corinthians 8. And we, we talked, he's done some research, he's done uh, papers for his, his uh, Master's of Theological Studies that he's doing, and, and we've, so we've talked lots of depth, and he submitted those, and we were, we were looking at some of the different Scriptures, and when I went back to 2 Corinthians 8 again this week, I found what was stirring in my heart. It's verse 8, and here's what it is, 2 Corinthians Chapter 8, verse 8. Paul said, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your heart by comparing it with the earnestness of others. I'll read it a second time. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your heart by comparing it with the earnestness of others. The Apostle Paul, a follower of Jesus, was speaking in in this letter to a church in the city of Corinth. And he wrote these words to them in the context of, you've got to open your Bible and and see all of chapter 8. And you can really look at the whole letter, the first and second, but to get an understanding of what Paul's talking about in this context of generosity being encouraged to the church for us to be generous. And as Paul comes to this point, he's saying, I'm not here to hound you. (laughs) I'm not here to pound the table. I'm here to check the sincerity of your heart. And church, that's what was stirring in us as a teaching team, that God's calling us to submit our hearts before him in the context of money. And we, with excitement, have the opportunity to respond to him, not just in this three weeks, not just in this fall season, but for, for now to eternity to respond with sincerity of heart to God with our finances. So as we move into part three here this morning, a question you can ask yourself is, am I being sincere with my finances before God? This is where the God, money, and this is where the me comes in. The me is you. Am I 
being sincere, God, before you with my finances. That's what you can posture and walk out this morning. Because we're going to look at why God calls us to give and how are we to give. And a sincere, submitted heart to God is the best way to respond to it. If you haven't opened yet, I invite you to open 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Either your hard copy or your device. And and I'm going to touch on and pull out different verses from this chapter and actually chapter 9 as well. But again, I encourage you to take take the reading and and press into it further. Read the whole chapter later today. Read chapters 8 and 9. Read read the whole book and let it sink in of what God was, was calling this church in the city of Corinth and is calling us a church that we identify as koinonia and how to respond to him. Paul's words here, I'm going to read the first five verses of chapter 8 for us. He says, And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. I just get us started with those first five verses. Hmm. And I've been praying about this message for more than just this morning. (laughs) I don't know if you've been thinking about it. It's just, oh yeah, we're going to hear a message this morning. I've been praying throughout our series of God, what does this translate and mean for us as a church body? But as I stand here before you, and I can see you a whole lot better with the blinds open. (laughs) I see you leaning in as well. I say, keep leaning in. Because the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you. As we look at why give, our hope, our first answer that we can arrive on this morning is we're to give because you love God. Why give? Because I love God. What I love, I put my treasure to war. Who I love, I respond to and acknowledge with, with love. And this is no different that God with our money is calling us to respond to him because we love him first. So give to him first. We see here in these first five verses that the, the Macedonians who Paul's talking about and he's using them as an example to the Corinthians and he said they responded and gave to the Lord first. They responded to him. And the, the Macedonians, Paul tells us, they were in a, they had a severe trial going on. We don't know exactly what that trial was. What was the hardship they were going through? Have you ever gone through a hardship and thought, whoa, finances are tight. I don't know how we're going to be able to do it this month. Well, the Macedonians can relate to you. They were going through a severe trial, and yet they were overflowing with joy. Is joy usually an emotion you have when you go through a trial? <laughs> or when your bank account is, looks like it's shrinking down? I was working with a friend this week and he, he told me about a time when they had 
like I think it was $43 in their bank account. And they're like, we have no idea how this week, is, this month is going to end. How do you respond with joy when you have that amount and yet you know that there are bills? The Macedonians can understand what you're talking about. Not only were they had overflowing with joy in the midst of the trial, Paul tells us they had extreme poverty. Extreme poverty. I would hazard a guess there is a very small percentage in this room who have ever experienced extreme poverty. But the Macedonians can understand if you have experienced it. And yet, the Macedonians responded first with their giving to God because they loved God. Nothing was going to deter them from loving God and giving to Him. The Macedonians understood verse 9. Shift down a little further with me. For you know, Corinthians, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. Paul's reminding this church, and it's a good reminder for us, that Jesus Christ emptied himself of all of heaven and everything divine. And what Paul says is Jesus became poor so that you could become rich. Rich in salvation. Rich in our faith. Rich in kingdom understanding and knowledge. This is what Paul's coming to. This is where real wealth is experienced and realized is when we have the gift of eternal life. And that's where out of that gift is where our overflowing joy will come regardless of a trial, regardless of poverty, because we have something that's eternal that can't be taken away from us. And out of that salvation and out of that gift of life is where our love responds back and said, oh God, you have given me the greatest gift. So why should I give to you? Because I love you, knowing how deeply you love me. We give to God because we love Him. Now let me talk about the second one here. Why give? Why give? Something that should prompt us to give is because we love people. The love for people is what inspired the Macedonians to give eagerly, passionately. Paul said the Macedonians wanted to give entirely on their own. He didn't have to go to them and say, hey, this is the right thing to do. The Macedonian church was saying, we have an eager desire to give to others because, God, we know you love people. And we want to love on people the way you love on people. And so the second reason that should stir us to give is love for people. It's in keeping with God's will. You will see that in this chapter. Paul talks about it's keeping with God's will to love on people the way God loves on people. He talks in verses eight and eight and nine, uh, sorry, eight, um, verses ten, eleven, and twelve. He talks about that they had a desire and a willingness just to respond. There was a need in people, and the Macedonian church said, "Then we want to give toward them." It's quiet in here. Is that just me? Is that you? Oh no, I'm not quiet. You're quiet. But I want you to get this desire and willingness. And I'm stirred by it as I look at the Macedonian church and the early churches and reading more than 2 Corinthians 8 
and coming back to the early church of Acts chapter 4, that when they gave, everybody had sufficient. Paul actually quotes a time period of the Israelites in the, in the desert. When manna was coming from the sky, do you remember what the instruction was to the people? They were to go out and gather just enough for the day. And whoever needed a lot for their family would have just enough. And whoever had a smaller amount of need, they would have the right amount. There was no greed to be going on. And where there was greed, then the treasure spoiled, didn't it? The bread rotted before the next day. God has some principles about loving and loving on people and giving that when we walk them out, our lives will be radically impacted. A third reason I would highlight to you this morning about giving, of why to give, is because we should be eager to see kingdom fruit growing right before our eyes. Are you eager to see the kingdom of heaven here on earth as God so desires it? Part of it is experienced through us giving according to God's will, and we will see his kingdom fruit appear right before our eyes. Turn over to chapter 9, 2 Corinthians still. And let me touch on verse 6 and pick up here. So Paul's still teaching through this letter, and he comes to, uh, to chapter 9 in this section. My, my Bible, it's titled, Sowing Generously. And in verse 6 of chapter 9, he, Paul writes, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Verse 11, you will be, able, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Do you long to see kingdom fruit right before your eyes? If so, it has to do with this principle of sowing into God's kingdom, God's people, God's plans and purposes. And God says, then abundance is going to come to you because you're doing what God has called you to do. And he's going to continue to give for his greater purposes once again. I often highlight as I talk about this, is God was going to abundantly give to you, not so that your pockets start to fill up and they're so full that you're like, oh my goodness, I have to get bigger jeans. Because what God is going to give to you, he's got a purpose for you to give to the next person. To give generously, to bless and do, and be God's heart to, those, to people who are in need. And when we're sowing in this way, you're going to experience what God has in store in his kingdom for all people. So I want to bring this principle that's just getting introduced here about sowing and reaping into the next point I want to highlight for us. I've talked about why to give this morning, because we should respond in giving to love God and express our love to him, to love people, and then to see kingdom fruit come. But then I want to come to, well, then how should we give? What should it look like in our giving? And I'm going to encourage you to give like a farmer. It's a little unique illustration to bring, isn't it? 
I don't know if I asked for a raise of hands of how many farmers we have in the room or how, who's connected with agriculture, what kind of percentage we have, and I'm not going to ask you to do that. But I'm going to bring the context to us this morning is I want to encourage you in response to how to give is give like a farmer. And I'm not talking about what kind of boots you wear or what color your tractor is, okay? So don't even start arguments about colors of tractors, okay? Whatever, just, just hold those at bay. I know farmers are concerned about which brand, but leave it there. What I see in the heart of farmers is ones who trust, who believe, who plan, who plant, who pray, who watch, who anticipate. There's something about farming that we've lost. We're how many generations away from farming now? There's some of you who are still in context and connection with farming. And it's amazing that where we're located here in Bloomingdale, that you have to drive by some fields. And it's harvest time, isn't it? The harvests are being brought in or have been brought in. That's what Thanksgiving weekend is about, is celebrating the abundance of what God has given to us. Or maybe you just need to go down the road here to Rosendale Farm and and see how much seed comes in and goes out and all that takes place there. There is so much for us to learn about what Paul introduces here of sowing and reaping. I'm going to lean toward the principle, this principle on the sowing end this morning about how to give and what God is calling us to in the area of giving. And if you want to talk to a farmer after this message, I can point you to a couple in the foyer that are here this morning. And they'll tell you passionately how this principle applies. Because this isn't the only verse where sowing and reaping is introduced in Scripture. Paul talks to the Galatian church, and, he, and as well, he says, don't, don't mock God when it comes to money and giving. He was pretty sober with the Galatians. He said, don't mock God when it comes to giving. For whatever one sows, one will reap. And he was very specific. And, and so I'm bringing some of this to, then how are we to give? And I bring the farmer before you as an example. And I'm going to use this adjective to start. So if you're taking notes, write this word down. The farmer gives willingly. Willingly. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, if you back up again, the very first verses I read, you read that the Macedonians gave willingly. It was their desire to give to meet the need of other saints, other people. And we see this response. It's in their passion to do it. Is it in our heart's passion to give willingly? Here's the second adjective for how to give. Generously. The Macedonians gave out of what they had, their ability. And Paul said they even gave above their ability because they were just so eager to give. They were passionate about giving and and seeing God's God's provision be realized in front of their very eyes. So willingly, generously. Now I come to sacrificially. The Macedonians, they gave sacrificially, right? Right? They gave out of their trial, out of extreme poverty we see. They gave it because they realized that, you know what? As we sow this gift in giving, it's going to reap something for those people beyond what we could give. Do you remember when Jesus told the parable about the the man who scattered seed and it landed on different kinds of soil? And he talked about scattering seed that landed amongst rocky soil or rocky ground, thorny ground, hard-tracked paths. And then there was the rich, fertile. 
What Jesus was getting our attention is that seed can grow. Seed can grow, and we need to plant it where God's fertilized the ground, where he's prepared it for growth. But what we need to do with that seed is when we come, is, is, is let, sacrifice it, give it up. Let go of it. Because you know what? If I hold the seed in my hand, it can't grow. <laughs> this is not the fertile ground that God's talking about. Or if I keep it in my pocket, that that's not where it's going to grow. I sure hope it doesn't grow there. But God says, if you take it and you plant it where I want you to plant it, then it's going to grow. But God, i got to sacrifice. i got to let go of the seed if I'm going to do it. i got to actually take it out of my pocket or out of my bank account. And I got, you want me to let go of it, God? But I, but I earned this. <laughs> you know, I worked hard for this. I don't want to just see it go to waste. I don't want to see it be misused. God says, plant it where I tell you to plant it. There's a sacrifice in giving because we need to let it go. Jesus said a kernel of seed needs to fall to the ground and die before it can produce life. That's why the tug of war often is with our money and finances because we don't want to let it go because it, it'll just go in the wind. It'll just be squandered. It'll be, God says, if I tell you to give it there, then trust that it's going to, your sacrifice is going to produce greater life. Let me keep going for ways to give. Uh, willingly, generously, sacrificially, intentionally. Farmers are very intentional of where they plant their seed, Right? They've heard Jesus' lesson about, yeah, it's not going to grow so well in the rocks or in the hard path. So they till up that ground and get intentional about sowing it into fertile soil so that it could grow. But we need to plant. Because you can be guaranteed every seed you keep won't grow. <laughs> if you hang on to it here, but if you plant it where God calls us to plant it and to give, then it's going to grow. Intentionally, Systematically. Are farmers systematic? Absolutely. They've got a system and a plan, and they've got it down to a, a science in their agriculture. And I'm not, I know I'm not a farmer, okay? So grant me some grace as I unpack this illustration. But as I talk about systematically, um, I remember some of our first attempts to be farmers um, was more like planting a vegetable garden in our backyard. And we thought, oh yeah, let's do just all beautiful rows, nice and straight. And we had our string lined out and we planted the seeds in each one. And we did that with a row of corn seeds. And we planted them in and the corn came up and it came maybe this high. <laughs> and the next one was even lower. And the next one we're like, what gives? Like we did this nice straight row. Doesn't the corn know it should grow in rows? And then we did a little investigating to, to realize it needs to cross-pollinate. <laughs> And need, rows need to be beside each other. And, and then we discover things like, oh my goodness, we had, I think we need to go back to our real farmers and buy corn from them. God teaches us how to give systematically because he's got a reason and a purpose for it, for the harvest to be plentiful. Two more ways to give. Give proportionately. Proportionately to what God has put into your care. That's very clear as Paul teaches the Corinthians here about the Macedonians. They gave according to what they had, but they said we still want to give beyond that. And not only proportionally, but they gave cheerfully. Their joy was overflowing, but you can read in chapter 9, verse 7, that God loves cheerful givers. And so then I come to that verse and I say, then God, teach me how to be cheerful in giving because I want to be miserly. <laughs> 
I want to be me first. God, teach me how to be cheerful. I want to encourage you to talk to a farmer. To talk to how their faith and trust is God. We planted, and now it's up to you to water and to bring the warmth because we're trusting you for that harvest. And you know what I love about farmers and when I pass some of these fields is there's way more harvest in those fields than that farmer could eat on, on his own or in, on her own or for her family or his family. There's such a harvest that it's meant for more than just themselves. And so as I come to this, this message about why we give, it's out of love. How we give, if it helps you to remember, give like a farmer. Because there's so much more in this principle of sowing and then the harvest that is reaped when we sow God's purpose and plan that will be for the benefit of all people. Remember this coin from week one? I talked about an eight-year-old boy who came up and gave me this coin. And remember I said that he brought it to me and, and I asked him where did he come from and, and, and I, w- I didn't totally understand if it came from his generosity jar or if it came from the change his dad gave him to buy something at the cafe. But what the point was, he brought it to me and he said, I want you to have it. He goes, here you go, I want you to have it. And so the fleshly Brian took over first. I said, oh, you want me to buy myself something? Or, or did you mean, like, you want me to give it to the church? You know? And he said, I don't know, it's up to you. I was, I was humbled in that moment. And I was like, we need to pray about this coin. I had one of our leaders come to me after the first week of our series on God, Money, and Me and talking about sowing and reaping. And they said, Brian, I think that coin is a seed for koinonia. I think it's a seed for us in this community that we are to say, God, what do you want to do with the coins that you've placed in our eight-year-old hands, in our 20-year-old hands, our 60-year-old hands, and more. God, what do you want to do with what you've put into our hands? God, we want to make room for you. This coin isn't about how rich can we make ourselves. What can we buy with it? Or maybe I'll just stick it in my pocket and hope it increases in value in a couple years and pull it back out and it's now worth a a thuni instead of a tuni. I don't know. But we want to come back and say, God, this is seed money that we want to sow. And so I bring it before you to say, church, are you going to give because you love God, you love people, and you believe in his kingdom? Are you going to give in this principle of sowing to see what reaping will be done to meet more needs and to reach more people with his love? Church, I'm going to ask you to stand, and I've invited the worship team to come back because they're going to lead us in a song again of make room. We're going to go back to that song. And I believe it's something that we can do with our finances. God, I'm making room for you to do more than I could do on my own. And so I'm going to take this coin and I'm going to deposit it right now into our, a time of prayer. And then I'm going to give it to one of our ushers and I'm going to ask, Vlad, if you'd be ready when I give it to you and you take it out to the offering kiosk and deposit it for on behalf of all of us. This is a seed for Koinonia and for the kingdom work that God wants to do here to reach more people with his eternal gift of life. Amen? Would you bow and pray with me? Father God, 
I don't even feel I'm doing justice to what you put in my heart this morning. God, I ask you by your spirit to do the holy translation of your word to the hearts of us as the church community. Those of us online, those of us here in person. God, you've stirred something in us to respond to you in love and our, our giving will reflect, be reflected in our love for you, for people, for your kingdom. God, this principle of sowing and reaping is so multifaceted. And we know that when we plant, when we sow, when we give, as you call us to, then you are the one who will water, who will add heat to it, who will grow. And you will carry this message of your amazing love. You will carry this gift of eternal life to reach more and more people. And so, Father, we do take this coin that was given for your purposes and we sow it into the ground and we ask God that you would grow it in Jesus' name. And Father, then we respond and we say, here's our life. Break up any ground in the, in the context of money where we've become religious or traditional. Lord, break it up because we want to sow into new ground, fertile ground, tilled up ground, so that your harvest can, can be realized. People can experience your love, forgiveness. That's how we're going to worship you, God. And that's how we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. We want to encourage you to let the Holy Spirit sink today's message into your heart, to let it transform you and bring new life. If you want to learn more about Koinonia, you can go to kcf.life to get connected. Thank you for being a part of our community. If today's message encouraged you, we would love for you to rate it and review it and share it with a friend. We love you. Let's continue to build God's kingdom together.